This is Aisle 42. Do you remember when alternative rock hit the scene? Okay, I just dated myself, but I have such vivid memories of those gnarly days of Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Nirvana. Well, the grocery store has its own version of rogue rock and roll, and that's the plant-based alternative foodstuffs, like cheese. You don't have to look very far or taste very many vegan alternatives before you realize that what Margaret Coons and her Nuts for Cheese team are making is really good for people, vegan or otherwise, and good for the planet, too. In this episode, we're diving into the world of gourmet vegan cheeses with a longtime foodie and chef, and we'll go behind the scenes of what it takes to make delicious, organic, artisanal, plant-based products. Learning about the future of the grocery store through the eyes and heart of a plant-based alternative rock star, now that's a great way to spend 25 minutes. Let's jump right in. Here's Margaret from Nuts for Cheese. Margaret. We've been connected for a while now, and I've been a big fan of your cheeses for a couple years. I think I first found them at my local Choices Market here in Vancouver. But before we nerd out on cheese, mm, cheese, <laughs> I want to get your take on something. When you look into the future and you imagine the perfect grocery store of the future, what would it look like? Oh, that's such a fun question because I am continually on the hunt for the perfect grocery store because I am a total foodie and I love to cook. Uh, so, you know, I think the perfect grocery store it doesn't have too many things on the shelves. I think the variety of products is kind of catered to creating a really great meal without getting distracted or feeling like you need to grab too many things to put in your cart that aren't really things that you need. And I think products that are made by you know, passionate and often local vendors are, are really interesting and can add a lot to to our meals and, and to the things that we buy. And so I think, you know, obviously I'm a CPG nerd, so interesting packaged products made by interesting founders. Uh, those are the kinds of stores that are most exciting to me. That's very cool. You're probably one of those shoppers that picks up everything and looks at everything and reads the back of everything. Are you insufferable to shop with? Is your like friends and family like they're not, they don't go shopping with you? So it's funny. I was just telling my team last night, I was at the local Foodland in um, London, Ontario, where I'm based. And I was with my partner and we went over to the section that has all of the dips and sauces and hummuses. And I said to her, now this is where I want to spend a little bit of time tonight. <laughs> sort of picking up all of the packages and looking at all of them. You're like, can you swing back around and pick yeah. me up in a 20 minutes or so? Yeah, I just want to spend a little bit of time here reading all of these packages. <laughs> uh, so yes, definitely. That's funny. Yeah, you're probably one of those people that has uh, an iPhone photos album full of like lots of shelf pictures and product pictures and then, you know, a shot at the beach and then more shelf pictures. I do for sure. I just think there's it doesn't get old and like there's like nothing more exciting than seeing your own product on shelf. And so I love going into grocery stores. I actually like going into grocery stores just to look at stuff more than I like to actually pick things up and, and purchase them because I just want to see what's going on. And and you can learn so much from, you know, looking at how you're showing up on shelf and what the price point is and if your promotions are being executed and if all the flavors that are supposed to be there are there. So yeah, I, I love going into grocery stores and just experiencing the the kind of walk around. That's awesome. So it all started for you back in 2015, I think. You're a chef, very cool, and you started Nuts for Cheese, and you are started in some food service, and kind of went into the farmer's market, humble beginnings for sure. But dairy-free cheese at that time, well, 
uh, it wasn't great. Kind of uh, lots of chemicals, kind of plasticky, didn't really melt properly. It was all pretty tragic. What was it about that time and that place in your life that made you think, all right, I'm going to make cheese for vegans? Well, I think you're right. I had eaten a lot of those really kind of plasticky processed products. I've been plant-based for a long time since I was a young teenager. And so I had experienced, you know, everything that had been available. I was frequenting the local health food store wherever I was trying to find different options. And there really wasn't anything that was high quality or organic or artisanal in any way. And because I was working as a chef and really loved cooking, I wanted to have ingredients to work with that were high quality and really lended themselves well to the dish that I was trying to make. And really the, you know, plasticky starchy shreds and, and slices weren't going to do it. And so I started experimenting with uh, using different nuts and seeds initially. And this was when I was in my kind of late teenage years. And I was cooking a lot for myself. And so I started making creamy sauces and different kind of like cheese substitutes and dressings and, and things like that using different nuts and seeds. And and then at one point I, I had put a, you know, a vegan cheese board on the menu at this local restaurant where um, it became a very popular menu item. And it gave me a lot of creative license to experiment with different flavors. So pretty much every week I was trying out like a new flavor of cheese. It would be a you know, chipotle cheddar, which is actually one of our flavors we still have, or a smoky gouda, things like that, that were using different ingredient applications. And then I would use them in different recipes. And so that's really how it started was uh, wanting something great to, to cook with. So great. You have lots of cheeses. What's behind all these flavors? I mean, unbelievable. Like you just must be having so much fun coming <laughs> up with all of these things. Yeah, we used to have a lot of like very funny punny names. Uh, we had a Gouda in the early days. We have a Gouda again now, but the original Gouda was called Gouda Grief. And I used to have a, a Munster, which is a cheese that turns out to be like a lot more popular in the U.S. that than it is in Canada. So nobody knew what Munster was. And so I ended up having to change that name a number of times. And you know, I think it's it's interesting that we've definitely worked upon our, our portfolio of products a lot over the years and kind of perfected them and, and honed how we make them and things like that. But the original five cheese flavors we actually still have today. And so they may have had a name change and they may have had a little glow up over the years, but really like it's that kind of core set that the business was built on in 2015 that we still have those flavors. And then we've added a number more flavors over the years too. So the black garlic cheese, which is one of our best sellers now, was a, a later addition to, to the lineup. And then we just launched a sharp cheddar uh, kind of as a complement to our chipotle cheddar for those who want a cheddar but don't necessarily like spice. And we've added a seasonal flavor as well, so our cranberry and pink peppercorn. And again, it's, you know, kind of the most fun part of the job for me is, you know, getting to think about things I want to cook and what kind of ingredients I would need and then making those, you know, alt dairy, dairy-free uh, inclusions. Very cool. I, I have a question. This is probably not the most sustainable question to ask, but when it comes to cheese strings, you know, for the kids, <laughs> um, we're a mostly dairy-free family. So when it comes to cheeses, you know, we have lots of different kinds of vegan cheeses, but we, when we have lactose-free cheese or when she has lactose-free cheese, she does okay. She manages if it's in small amounts. So of course, you know, every kid in her class has a cheese string in a little plastic sleeve. Any vision for like uh, nuts for cheese being in sort of that type of format? Maybe if we're trying not to kill the earth, maybe it can be in some sort of cool paper wrap or whatever, but any, any sort of vision for something snackable like that? 
Yeah, vegan cheese string like wrapped in hemp or something. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think I, I do have visions for like snackable ideas for the future because I do love that grab and go concept. What I found with and just thinking about being in grocery stores, actually, when I walked into the grocery store last night, I saw there was like a Halloween Oreo and like all these things that I don't necessarily eat. But I'm always so fascinated by like the novelty of, you know, certain food items like cheese strings, for example, because like the idea is so fun and you want to be able to have your child be included in that experience that other kids are having. But for us, because we are such a natural company in terms of the ingredients that we use to make a cheese string, it would require like a lot of artificial ingredients because we don't use any stabilizers or gums or starches, which in the dairy version of cheese strings, there's a lot of stabilizers and gums and starches to have it be that kind of peely consistency. So probably not for us, but I would love to see someone else innovate that for sure. Yeah. Maybe it could be in a in a push tube. Exactly. You know, where you could just dispense the cheese very easily into your face. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll, I'll get right on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Business was born. Yeah. You've added vegan butter to the mix. And uh, in my family, we're soy free. And so your butters, my family can enjoy. But talk to me about the butters. You've got salted, you've got unsalted, you've got herb butters. What's been the feedback uh, so far on that line? Like, are people, you know, just simply putting it on toast? Or what are you hearing about the, the butter line from people using it? The butter is great to bake with. And so I think people are surprised when they actually use it in a, a recipe that requires baking, because I think a lot of times when people have had experience with different vegan butters, like they kind of melt down into like a pool of oil, essentially, because they're essentially emulsified oil. And our product has that creamy cashew base. So it holds up really nicely if you're making like a pastry or a pie crust, or I've even made puff pastry and croissants with it. And it's worked really well. So for me, that's, you know, really exciting to have a, a product line that can work as a one-to-one -one replacement for dairy butter. But the reception has been good. It's a smaller part of our portfolio that the butter is. So we do a lot more business in cheese than we do in butter, but primarily that's because the butter is only sold in Canada as of right now, and the cheeses are in both Canada and the U.S., so I'm excited to see that product line grow because I do think it is a, a fabulous product and, and I eat it a lot. I've also like really put it to the test. I've made like all the different, you know, French mother sauces using our butter just to really make sure that it can kind of hold up and, and it does. That's awesome. Veganism has been around for a long time, but it's different now than it was. What's the shift looked like for your consumers? Are you seeing changes in people's eating preferences or habits when it comes to plant-based and, and other sort of, whether it's dietary or preferences, what sort of transformation are you seeing in people's habits? You know, I think eating habits are like such a pendulum sometimes where when I first started the company, I was totally under the assumption that like, because I am vegan, I was like living in this bubble that everyone who's going to buy our product is going to be vegan as well. And that just actually didn't turn out to be the case. And so in those early days, I was like making vegan cheese for vegans. And I, I think at the time also, like you were saying, there wasn't a lot of great vegan cheeses available in the market. So even being at the farmer's market in those early days, people would come up and I'd try to offer them a sample and they'd say like, oh God, no, I don't need to eat that. I'm not vegan. <laughs> I'm almost like, I'm not, I don't have that problem <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, I think it's changed so much now that a lot of our consumers are dairy-free or they're flexitarian or they're just, you know, wanting to have a really tasty like cashew cheese on their cheese board with their goat cheese, with their cow milk cheese. Like people really like variety. And so I think it's been interesting to watch like the rise of plant-based and then like, you know, the subsequent kind of 
evolution of the market. So it's, I do think it's like continuing to grow quite a lot. And we see that in our own sales data, but also just in consumer data at large. But I do think it's evolving a lot. And I think a lot of people are less strict than they used to be. And they're a lot more inclusive with the way that they eat and kind of more easy on themselves. And for me, like, I think I was always really, really strict for a very long time. And I just think it's important to like have really great options available that make it easy for people to eat however they want and not feel like they're they're missing out because I think that's that's something that's super important to us as a company is like we want to create a dairy-free cheese for cheese lovers and that's something that you eat because you want to not because you have to kind of thing I think for a long time people felt like they were having to make a sacrifice to, to eat a plant-based product and it's very cool that that's not the case anymore that's a good share. Yeah. Cheese lovers are cheese lovers. And then when you start adding dietary or, you know, preferences to it and you start to take out things like dairy, it can get uh, a little tricky when you want to make the things that you've always made or the things that you really love. Yeah, absolutely. You're very focused on organic ingredients. What does that supply chain look like and how has organic played a role in making your products stand out for consumers at the grocery level? Yeah, I think organic has always been super important to us from a quality standpoint more than anything. I think, you know, there's obviously a huge environmental and health impact to consuming organic products and foods. But for us, like we always wanted to make the the highest quality vegan cheese out there. And so I think from a consumer viewpoint, when you go to the store that like we may have a premium price point to some of those, you know, non-organic products that are made of starches and oils, but we're using real food ingredients, we're using organic ingredients, we're fermented product. And so it just kind of feels like a natural extension of what we're trying to do. It feels like it's really on, like it's a, a part of the brand and a part of our our kind of ethos to, to have organic products. And, you know, I think some things are more important to consume organic than others, but I do think that nuts are something that can be sprayed heavily. And so I think it's important to, to eat organic cashews when you can and have organic products when you can. And we've also been a member of the Canadian Organic Trade Association for a number of years. And it's been a really amazing ecosystem for us to be a part of where, you know, we have all these other companies that are really prioritizing organic and this, you know, kind of supportive um, backing through that organization. And does that relegate you to certain parts of the grocery store where because you're organic, they'll put you there, but they won't put you, you know, somewhere else? It's a very good question because we're relegated to all kinds of different parts of the grocery store, depending on the store, (laughs) but it's mostly because they, a lot of retailers haven't quite figured out exactly what they want to do with plant-based yet. And so we're more often caught, not necessarily because of organic, but because of the fact that we're a plant-based product and the fact that we're a premium product, whether we should be in the deli with the dairy cheeses, which sometimes that works great. As long as the consumer knows where to find us, like that's fine. Farm Boy is an excellent example. They were one of our first major customers and we have been in the deli at farm boy since day one and they're an incredible customer for us it totally works really well there because their shopper is trained to find us there but that said you know sometimes we're in the plant-based dairy cooler sometimes we're in a different plant-based part of the store sometimes we're in produce and i think it really is not like there's one spot that makes the most sense for us overall like sometimes we get asked that question like what part of the store should you be in and it really depends on the store because it really depends on where that store shopper is looking for this type of product i think where we've struggled is if we are completely alone in a sea of dairy cheese and you know not necessarily a dairy-free consumer especially if we're not near like the lactose-free products even like a dairy-free consumer or a vegan consumer doesn't know where to look for us, that's where we can we can struggle. So we try to find like our brand friends of other great products that we 
find have, you know, strong congruence with our product where we want to sit on the shelf together because we're building the category and helping increase the market side or the basket size overall for the retailer. Yeah, I see often in uh, especially the smaller stores, the more market sized stores where there's sort of a like in the produce section, there'll be a plant based kind of cold case or cool bunker or whatever. And, you know, there's there'll be a midday squares and then there'll be you guys <laughs> and we're like, oh, do I want functional chocolate or do I want, you know, plant based cheeses? It's right there. So it sort of hits you in the face says, oh, this is the plant based area. Yeah, the better for you area anyways, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I can imagine, though, when you talk about deli, you know, being merchandised next to Salt Spring Kitchen spreads or Eve's Crackers or, you know, something where, you know, there's sort of that eating occasion can kind of come into play a little bit. That can be exciting, too, where, where people are already kind of shopping based on a certain, yeah, like event or activity or, or a preference, and then they see those options right in front of them. Yeah, exactly. I guess that sort of ties into some of your other product claims. What is it about your approach to a clean label that aligns with your mission as a food company? So we want to always kind of tie back to our commitment to quality. So we're just recently actually a BRC certified organization, which is like a GFSI, Global Food Safety Initiative certification. And for us, you know, that's kind of the gold standard of uh, of quality cert to show that, you know, we're really doing everything at peak optimal ability that we can. And that really covers a lot about the company, not only from like our ingredient sourcing to our production practices, to our GMP and hygiene on the floor, to, you know, everything that's going out the door, kind of having our, our seal of approval on it. But I think that that extends to the label as well. And we've talked a little bit already about, you know, these kinds of like starches and oils and gums and things like that and, and products. And I think that it's just becoming so ubiquitous that so many plant-based products aren't necessarily awesome for you. And I think that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still enjoy them because I think everyone needs a treat. And it's the same as, you know, you're not going to necessarily eat chicken nuggets every day. If you're uh, not a plant-based consumer, I don't know that you should eat those things every day. If you are a plant-based consumer, just eating the plant-based version of it. (laughs) But for us, like we want to create a product that kind of defies that occasion-based experience where, yes, you may see it with the salt spray spreads and the use crackers and the deli, but it's something that you can snack on and it's something that you can use in a recipe. And so I think we want to create a product that people feel good about eating every day and has some of those functional benefits from being a fermented food. So it does have probiotic content. It's like cheese that you could eat a whole wedge of and not feel like you've eaten a whole wedge of dairy cheese. <laughs> and I think that that's something that provides a, a benefit to the, the consumer. So you're not going to put a giant triangle of uh, vegan cheese on a stick and just walk around with it like a snack bar? (laughs) No, but I have seen some really cute concepts of like charcuterie cups for weddings and parties and things like that. And I think that would be a fun thing to figure out how to do a plant-based version of. You have like a little personalized snack cup. Or if you're down in Texas, you could do deep fried vegan cheese. That's all the rage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have done that before. I was served deep fried butter once. It was a stick of butter that was frozen and battered and then deep fried. And it was a a heart attack and a heart attack in a sleeve. (laughs) Sounds like a last meal. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what that probably would be. Yeah. A lot of your packaging is recyclable. So I'm curious to know what sort of the sustainability journey look like for you and your team. What changes are coming down the road to lean into that more and more? I know it's important to you. So kind of what, where would you like to see things go with the business and with the products that you're making from that standpoint? 
Yeah. So I think a lot of people are plant-based or leaning into plant-based for kind of three big reasons. And one of them's definitely sustainability or the environment. Usually the other two are their health or animal rights, right? So I think for me, starting this company, that was a huge focus for me was to create a product that didn't rely so heavily on animal agriculture that was, you know, contributing to greenhouse gas emissions and ultimately harming the planet. And so that's overall kind of like the ethos of the the company. And then it kind of filters down into like a lot of things that we do into, you know, trying to source our ingredients ethically and and also, you know, from great suppliers that that have good practices as well. And of course, having recyclable packaging. And I think one thing that I would love to see in the future is that it's really hard for small companies to source high quality, eco-friendly packaging, because the minimum order quantities on a lot of this, you know, eco film, biofilms, compostable plastics and things like that is so high that it makes it really prohibitive for small companies to be able to engage in eco-friendly practices when they're starting out. And it was hard for us in the beginning because we used to hand wrap every single piece of cheese in a beautiful cheese paper that we imported from France. And it was very labor intensive, as you can imagine, like wrapping every single piece of cheese, like a little present was beautiful, but it was not efficient and it was not going to be an option for us as we scaled. And so eventually we moved to a recyclable film. But, it, you know, if we wanted to buy a corn based film or a biofilm that actually composts, we needed to buy about 10 years worth of our inventory. And so we had to settle for just a recyclable product, which is still great and, you know, the best we can do at this time. But I think that accessibility piece, I don't know who's going to help solve that problem, but I think that that would be something that could be really beneficial to the industry kind of at large. Yeah, it's one of those feelings now when you walk into a grocery store and you just, you know, you just see plastic, like plastic isn't going anywhere quickly, uh, especially not without a major play by major forces and likely government. It's a little overwhelming on that side. So appreciate all that you are doing in that. I know it's, that's a tough category, but uh, it's an important one. Yeah. And I think it's hard with like with perishable food too, because I think something that consumers don't often realize or think about is like the level of food waste. If you don't have food products that are perishable and not full of preservatives packaged properly, they will spoil. And food waste is also a huge problem. So you kind of have to like pick your pick your battle and, and do the best you can. That's a very good, very good point. So where can people buy nuts for cheese, nuts for butter? You've got spreads, you've got all this stuff. Where can people find you and connect with your amazing team? So we are sold at almost every major retailer in Canada. So we're in Loblaws, Sobeys, Metro, Whole Foods, Longo's, Farm Boy. We're in pretty much every independent natural food store in the country. And then we just launched into the U.S. recently, about two and a half years ago. So we're actually in about 2,000 stores south of the border as well. And Sprouts is uh, one of our biggest customers in the States. We've got some Whole Foods regions and lots of amazing independent chains in the States as well. We're, we're in all 50 states now. So depending on where you are, you should be able to find us somewhere. And then we are online. All of our social media handles are Nuts for Cheese and uh, our website is nutsforcheese.com as well. We also attend lots and lots of festivals and pop-ups and I am personally heading on a cheese tour across the southwestern United States <laughs> um, pretty shortly, starting uh, in Napa, ending in uh, Austin. So we'll be posting some more information about that, but we're going to be popping up in different cities for about 18 days straight. Uh, so there's lots of opportunity for, for people to come meet me or engage with the team. Not sure when this will actually come out, but we'll be posting about it regardless. Sounds like a reality TV show in the making. The Nuts for Cheese Tour. 
I know. I feel like I've got to start training for it. I've been trying to work up my my stamina for 18 days of events. <laughs> I like how you're starting in Napa. That's a good place to start. Most people start in far less <laughs> enjoyable regions. So good for you. Start with some wine and cheese. <laughs> it's a great, great thing. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all you're doing for people and for the planet. And uh, you make beautiful product and your team is amazing. So thanks for being, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Margaret is the real deal. I hope you really enjoyed listening to her tell her story and talk about cheese and butter as much as I did. Look for Nuts for Cheese the next time you fire up your Instacart app or head out on your next grocery run. The Chipotle cheddar cheese is off the hook good. Oh, and I'm also using their butter on waffles and toast. Oh man, so good, so good. Okay, that's a wrap. But before you move on, head over to aisle42podcast.com to get in our draw for the grocery gift card. I'll see you in the future.